Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Searching for a video. And it's a video of a state delegate in Virginia. In Virginia, they have a House of Delegates. They don't have representatives like you might be used to where you are. And he starts a conversation that is extremely important. It's the conversation of just because we disagree, it doesn't make me a racist or a bigot or a Nazi. And it doesn't make me a traitor. This is how so many people on the political right, moderates, conservatives, Republicans, feel about the people on the left and in media who just like to label and attack and destroy. You don't agree with ending the filibuster? You're a racist. Democrats used the filibuster less than a month ago to stop the sanctions against the Nord Stream 2 pipeline which would severely hurt Russia, one would at least think, and we should find out. And it is Ted Cruz who is saying very clearly, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you dare, don't tell me that Democrats have done everything they could to stop Russia. The U.S. has done everything it could to stop Russia regarding Ukraine. Wouldn't you have moved forward? on sanctions against Nord Stream 2. That's the pipeline from Russia to Germany. That's allowing Russia to sell billions of dollars worth of energy. Words indeed have meaning. They didn't do everything. Yet they used a filibuster to stop it. But it is the same people who say, if you, because you're on the political right, want to use the filibuster, you're a racist. They have, no, they, they, they have no issue doing so. They are fine with it. Did I introduce myself, Tony Katz? Tony Katz, today, it's always great to be with you guys. On Getter at Tony Katz, Rumble Tony Katz. Rumble.com slash Tony Katz. Get all the videos, including the morning rumble that I do every single Monday through Friday at uh, 10 a.m. It's pretty fantastic. The morning rumble there at Rumble.com slash Tony Katz. That's what you do. This delegate, named Nick Freitas, he gets a chance to speak on the floor, and he has words to say. I was asked by a colleague of mine on the other side of aisle, someone I actually deeply respect, and she asked me, uh, was I going to be nice this session? And I, I thought it was an interesting question. I don't particularly think of myself as a, uh, an unnice person, but I can see how sometimes people would see that differently. But you know what I've never done, Mr. Speaker? I've never got on this floor and I've challenged the faith of an elected official because I disagreed with them on policy. I've never got on this floor, Mr. Speaker, and suggested that the other side of the aisle were racist because they didn't agree with my particular policy positions. I've never suggested they were sexist because they didn't agree with my particular policy positions. But I'm keeping a running tally so far of this session. We're not very far into it. And almost every day, Almost every day, someone on the other side of the aisle either gets up and either subtly or comes right out and suggests that if you don't agree with them on policy, well, then you're not a Christian. 
You're a sexist. You're a bigot. You're a racist. But the moment someone actually stands up and says, wait a second, no, I'm not going to accept that. If you want to debate me on the merits of our particular policies, I am happy to have that discussion. But the moment you claim, with no evidence other than we don't agree on a particular policy position, the moment you claim that that makes us racist or sexist or bigoted, Mr. Speaker, I've got news. This was tried during the election cycle. Remember, this is Virginia. Of course this was tried against Glenn Youngkin. You know what he is today? Governor. Now, what uh, Delegate Freitas is saying here is something that you've said to yourself and you've said to others. You don't like a bailout, you're a bigot. I oppose critical race theory in schools. Uh, I don't want to teach kids about oppressed-oppressed relationships and make them feel guilty or who they, uh, for who they are based on the color of their skin or think that they don't have a chance to get ahead, which, is, of course, is a lie because of the color of their skin. Of course they have a chance to get ahead. Oh, you don't want that? You're a racist. Many parents have said enough. Many people across the country have said enough. And Delegate Freitas is doing a very good job of explaining this. You had a lot of parents coming to their local elected officials asking questions about what was going on in their schools. And the initial response was, oh, it's not there. And then when they saw evidence that it was based off of what their kids were coming home and saying to them, and they went back and reissued the concern, then they got told, oh, well, then you must be a racist. Because that has been the repeated narrative coming from certain members of the other side of the aisle. And there's been a lot of times where we've sat here politely and just took it. Mr. Speaker, not this time. I'm tired of it. My constituents are tired of it. Because when these claims are made, they're not just made against Governor Youngkin. They're not just made against us. They are made in part against the people that elected to send us here. And I don't know a single person in this chamber that I would define as racist or sexist or bigoted. We have very different ideas about how to get to particular end states where all Virginians can be happy, healthy, prosperous, and free. But just so I'm very clear. Will I be nice this session? I would certainly like to be, but I'm not about to sit here and listen to that, Mr. Speaker, and then go home to my constituents and have them ask me, why didn't you stand up and defend us? So let's have a robust policy discussion. But if you're going to question the faith or the intentions of anybody that happens to disagree with you on policy, then you don't get to lecture us on compassion, tolerance, or an open debate. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Standing O. And rightfully so. So that's the Republican delegate from Virginia. This is the view. Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar having a conversation about Clarence Thomas. Sense of humor. What about this Tim Scott from Florida Republican who says that, um, I'll read it to you, he says Biden's pick would be a radical liberal with extremist views. Well, well what else is he going to say? <laughs> One thing suggested are amazing. Uh, Kentaji, um, Rick Scott, yeah. Kentaji, um, uh, Judge... 
Judge Jackson clerked for Judge Breyer, mm -hmm. uh, Justice Breyer. Yeah. And so that would be a wonderful way of continuing his legacy. But you know, these, these, these guys, they're going to say anything, they're gonna, and they're going to try to make it like she didn't earn her way right. there. That's why I started the conversation yeah, yeah. by saying, you know, they're talking about it as, as an affirmative action. Not only is that just... Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what so I mean, it's just so... And that's why I said Hold this. on one second, Whoopi. If you're talking about who's going to replace Justice Breyer on the Supreme Court, don't get mad at anybody except Joe Biden, who didn't talk about qualifications. He talked about color and sex. Hold on a second, producer Ari. Watch yourself. Joe Biden promised Jim Clyburn that he'd put a black woman on the court. And it was Jamal Bowman of New York. And it was Cori Bush of St. Louis. And a host of other members of Congress, Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts, who said, don't forget, you got to put a black woman on the court. It was about identity politics from beginning to end, not about qualifications. When it should be about qualifications, regardless of the identity politics. That's the society we should want. And that is not the society that those progressives push forward. And it isn't the society that Joe Biden agreed to when he made the deal with Jim Clyburn we to just, get his endorsement. We just listened to him specifically mention a highly qualified justice. You are discussing what he just said today in the conversation with Justice Breyer. I am discussing how the deal got oh, made. I'm sorry, you're correct. Yes, my bad. But let us get back to the view. Let us get back to the view, because while they seem to not understand that the identity politics is front and center, they certainly have a theory when it comes to Clarence Thomas. Not only is that just, oh my God. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what so we're, I mean, it's just so, and that's why I said, listen, 111 years, yeah. we're way past affirmative action. You know, yeah. you, know you could make past. a case that, that somebody like Amy Coney Barrett uh, was put in there because she's a white woman yeah. who they say, well, she'll go against abortion rights and she's a woman. So that was deliberate, I think. Clarence Thomas, a, a black guy, a black man, a justice, okay, I'll give it to him. He's a smart guy. But he is to the right of Attila the Hun, this guy. And they put him in there thinking, oh, a black man will go against voting rights, and which I, is what he does. And it was a terrible... No one has gone against voting rights, you liar. The best part about that is Joy Behar referring to Amy Coney Barrett as a woman with quotes. The little air quotes. That 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 always does you good. Oh, but they they uh, they, they got more. A black man will go against voting rights, and which I, is what he does. And it was a terrible... And it's a very tricky business they're pulling over there when you think about it. Not to mention the fact that Mitch McConnell has no concept of the law when it comes to the Supreme they, Court. They know the law. They're oh. not following it. Well, they don't want to follow it. No, and it. he's that allowed to issue. not follow it. It's terribly disrespectful to appoint someone like Clarence Thomas with his philosophies to the seat of Thurgood Marshall, a civil right. I know. Yes. Gosh, and was also with his wife right with, oh, with his wife's activities. Um, activities yeah. involving well, the insurrection. Yeah. Let's not even get into that because that's really the whole show. And all we have to do is start talking about her and we'll oh, be Jenny. here the rest Yeah, we should Jenny talk Thomas. about that. Not today. <laughs> we'll be right back. Let's talk about that. I guess talking about Ginny Thomas is a thing. Interesting there as they talk about Clarence Thomas being appointed to the seat of Thurgood Marshall. It wasn't Thurgood Marshall's seat. But they got a thing about the seats. Who are you going to put in Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat? It's not her seat. 
Who are you going to put in Senator Kennedy's seat? Somebody who doesn't kill women? I think that's a good start. It's not his seat. It's a senatorial seat for the people of Massachusetts to fill. It's not a Ruth Bader Ginsburg seat. It's not Thurgood Marshall's seat. It's a seat on the Supreme Court. That's it. That is it. It is stunning to hear these people and do exactly what it is that Nick Friedis, this delegate for Virginia, is saying, can you stop doing that already? They disagree with you on policy, so Amy Coney Barrett isn't a woman? Justice Thomas, because he opposes the legislation that may be put forth right now regarding voting rights? Is is he a traitor to his race? Amy Coney Barrett isn't really a woman, and, and Clarence Thomas isn't really black. Funny, I know a guy who's been saying that about the political left for years. That guy is me. For the political left... If you're black and conservative, you're not really black. If you're Jewish and conservative, you're not really Jewish. If you're a woman and conservative, you're not really a woman. If you're gay and conservative, you're not really gay. Because the race, the color, the sexual uh, desire, the religion, no, 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 no. You have to be a leftist in order to be those things. Otherwise, you don't count, and you will be erased. And that's exactly what Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar were doing. And exactly what this delegate out of Virginia is like, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do that. And, of course, he's right. Of course he's right. This is one of the fights that we're all in and we're all dealing with. We just are. That we are. We have uh, decided that one group of people could say to another group of people, you disagree with me, you should be destroyed. It's an obscenity. And you wonder why the right fights back and they're finding ways to, point, to fight back? This is just one of the many, many reasons why. I got to admit, I'm glad they are. But it wouldn't have to happen if the left would just stop it. I'm Tony Katz. The Dow is down 91, NASDAQ down 171, GDP growing at 6.9%, but that's not, that's not really accurate, is it? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's so good to be with you guys. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Twitter at Tony Katz, Getter at Tony Katz, Instagram, Tony Katz, Uh, do it. Join me in all of those places immediately, if not sooner, especially the Instagram. We're doing cool stuff over there. Um, The estimate was 5.5% on the GDP, the gross domestic product. So now we're at 6.9%. That is crazy. That is huge number. I've lost so much trust. Huge, huge growth. The problem is, is that number doesn't actually make sense. That number at 6.9% doesn't account for, for a couple of things. People getting back to work is different than jobs created. 
people back to buying things in relationship to what they were buying six months ago or a year ago, that's also not an easy estimate. Further, if we want to engage the inflation conversation and ask ourselves, like we saw in the numbers for uh, Christmas, right? The the e-commerce numbers, $207 billion, whatever it was, highest ever. But that's because of the inflation, because the prices were higher, so people spent more, which means, by definition, they got less. They paid more for things, but they got less things. Wait till that number shakes out. I am not somebody who says, oh, I don't like Joe Biden's policies. I hope everything stinks and then we get somebody else in there and then things will be good. No, I want things to be good right now. I want things to be good (laughs) at this very moment. I no longer have faith in GDP. I don't think anybody does. I think that's 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 the point. I think that's the point, producer Ari, that that the six point nine percent doesn't really provide a story. Now, you can make a secondary argument. Does gross domestic product, the idea of how the country is growing, is that a good indicator of the economic health uh, of a nation? Uh, to an extent, yes, it is. I, I think there's a, I think there's a conversation and question to be had about about how maybe you count it how you adjust for certain things. I, I think that there's always a, a conversation about a manipulation of the numbers. Someone can say GDP isn't a good indicator. I would argue that the stock market is not a good indicator. Correct. Stock market's not a good indicator because Wall Street has a massive chasm between it and Midwest Main Street. And while Wall Street can continue rallies where they lose 1,100 points and then come out of the head at the end of the day, we're talking about 1,100 down, 1,100, 1,200 back up. That's crazy. But it's been happening a couple times last week. We'll see what, you know, was that, was that this week? It's sometimes they all just flow together. We'll see how the rest of the week goes. So if, if you're not going to utilize GDP, if you're not going to utilize uh, uh, Wall Street, what, what are you utilizing? Interest I think for, rates I think for a lot of people, I think for a lot of people, what they're utilizing is where are my investments? And what does it cost me for a gallon of milk? And when a gallon of milk is a dollar more than you were paying last year, and when gas is a dollar more a gallon than you were paying last year, do you really need anything else? And this is the part that the Biden administration doesn't gather. They don't grab. They don't understand. So they're going to look at the 6.9 and talk about it, and they're going to talk about look at all the jobs they've created. No, they have not. If you take a look at jobs numbers... There are only four states in the country, all run by Republican governors, where they have created more jobs than they lost because of COVID. Overall, we still have not replaced the jobs from COVID. That's not job growth. That's people going back to work. It's a different thing. The economy is still in a bad spot. The 6.9% number is impressive, but doesn't mean as much as it says. I'm Tony Katz. So this is a tweet from Joe Lockhart, who is, uh, he was a former White House spokesperson, White House press secretary for Bill Clinton. He's on CNN now. And he tweets out, ahead of the midterms, I look forward to watching every Republican senator oppose the first black woman to the Supreme Court. 
But tell me more how it's not about identity politics. <laughs> Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's, it's so good to be with you. Uh, so I just uh, tweeted out, uh, this is what projection looks like. Isn't that what they call it? When you take your beliefs and you, you put them onto somebody else? Mom? Yes, son. What's projection? As weird, but is perfect for what it is we're seeing, what it is we're dealing with. When I say it's about identity politics, they're the ones who made it that way. And then they're upset that we notice. Uh, I, 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 my job is to notice. Didn't Clarence Thomas get hammered by is, Democrats? Did Clarence Thomas get hammered by Democrats? Yeah, I was going to say. Anita Hill? That's my point. The cocaine? Good Lord. I was saying the first black uh, justice. He wasn't the first black justice. That'd be Thurgood Marshall. Ah, oh, my bad. They were just upset that somebody would dare be black and a conservative. Remember, they consider it being a traitor. When you are black in America, you are not allowed to have your own mind. Nope, take that back. The liberal believes that when you're black in America, you're not allowed to have your own mind. Nor if you're a woman, nor if you're gay, nor if you're Jewish. How dare you have your own mind? If you want to argue that the black man is the most oppressed person in society, you can. But the truth is the black conservative man or woman are the most oppressed people in society. Because they're not allowed to be free in their soul. They're not allowed to speak. They're not allowed to have a thought. They get attacked and called traitors and you're not a part of the community. I realized after I'd said it a few times that when, when I talk about people who are Jewish, I'm, I'm, I'm Jewish. I talk about people who are Jewish, uh, you know, and I've said uh, of some people based on uh, some policy opinions, like, like uh, I can't even think of what they are right now. I, 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 I have said it before, not even Jewish, you know, I should send these people, uh, I should send all these people a bottle of crazy glue so they can reattach their foreskin. It's gross. And the truth is, that's not the right approach, Tony. They're just wrong. Now, I think they're wrong and oftentimes dangerous. I think they're wrong and I think they're going to get Jews killed. Just like how I talk about uh, places of worship. If your rabbi doesn't believe you should be armed in synagogue, well, you got to find a new synagogue or fire your rabbi because that rabbi is going to get people killed. It isn't lost on me that today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. That uh, there is a, a, a moment that should be taken. Uh, this marks uh, January 27th as I do this. And so it marks uh, the liberation of Auschwitz and Birkenau. And so they utilize this uh, to remember those who were killed in the Holocaust at the hands of actual Nazis. Not who the political left claims is a Nazi today because they're so low rent and anti-intellectual, they can't think of something else to say. And then remembering who those who died in genocides in Cambodia, Rwanda, Bosnia, and Darfur. It's worthy of remembering that sometimes people could do horrible things to other people. It's also worth remembering that maybe you can stop them by preparing yourself. Preparing yourself in the vote and preparing yourself of your person. Maybe 
At least you can have a chance. Uh, me, I support the idea of having a chance, damn it. I think I should put myself in a position to have a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, I am. I think that's what's important. Now, Jen Psaki is supposed to start a, a press briefing, and if she does, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it just, just for the laughs and giggles. You know, to see her kind of twist in, in, in the wind and the inability to answer questions or just flat out lie about things as uh, she is known to do, failing to address things like, uh, like Build Back Better. Build Back Better is paid for. Entirely. Okay. That's just a lie. Build Back Better is not paid for entirely. It's not paid for really at all. If you tell me something is going to cost X number of billions of dollars, let's say it's going to cost $5 billion, although this is in the trillions, it's going to cost $5 billion. And you tell me that $2.5 billion is covered, don't tell me it's paid for. If something costs 100 bucks and you got 90, oh, you're close. If something costs 5 billion and you only got 2.5 billion, it ain't paid for. I don't know why you would treat people like that. I don't know why you would continue to do that to America, but this is happening a lot. And what's happening a lot is we've discussed a lot about, you know, identity politics today. Let me give you another piece. How about the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, the former mayor of South Bend, with this doozy about transportation? We have for years been averaging almost 3,000 deaths per month on our roads. So added up in the last decade, we have lost more than 350,000 lives on America's roadways. And things have gotten worse during recent years as people drove at higher speeds, more recklessly, more distracted. We're going to be posting as a department our official fatality data for the third quarter of 2021. And I need to tell you, looking at the preliminary numbers, it's not good. This is a national crisis. When we look deeper at the numbers, we notice two things. One, it is disproportionately impacting some Americans more than others, people of color, Native Americans, low-income communities, people in rural areas more likely to die on our roads. Car accidents kill people. Minorities and women hurt worst. That's not fair. You, you can't escape what these people do. You can't escape the constant barrage of, it's all about race. If you were to argue this data, you could start with a certain place. You would start with the place of, well, maybe people who are poor and maybe more black people are poor can't afford a nicer car that has more safety features and therefore they die in accidents more. But that would not be the proper data. The question would be, what is the data now versus 10 years ago? Because cars have gotten safer and safer, correct? If cars have gotten safer and safer and there's always this gap in terms of the affordability of the vehicle, well, then you'll always have a gap in terms of the safety. And what is the gap of between black people who were buying the safer vehicles 10 years ago and black people who are buying safer vehicles today? Has that gap shrunk? So we could still see that there is some difference, but that is shrunk 
overall as, of course, people have done better and better in society. But there's no mention of this from Pete Buttigieg. He did uh, follow up with this point. And yet the other thing that we see is this crisis indeed affects everyone, claiming lives from people of every age, every race, every income level in rural communities and big cities alike. We cannot and must not accept that these fatalities are somehow an inevitable part of life in America. They are an inevitable part, inevitable part of driving in a car. And this is the part that scares me more than anything. When I see these people say, hmm, people are dying in car accidents, we have to do something about this. Because eventually they get to the place, well, you know what we need? Less cars on the road. If everybody was riding a bike, we wouldn't have many people, there's many people dying in car accidents. Less cars on the road. We will save more lives if you are less free to move about the country as you see fit. These people know no bounds. And anytime they can introduce race into something in a way that doesn't exist, they will do it. They will do it. Something else that doesn't get discussed by people to judge in this conversation about uh, uh, people who die in, in, in vehicle uh, situations, car accidents, etc. What if the person driving the car chose to buy something less safe? They didn't want to spend the money on X. They spent the money on Y. They made a decision, a conscious decision to do so. Do I now have to drive less because of their decisions? I bought the truck that doesn't do as well on gas mileage, but damn it, will survive the accident. I made my choice. What choice did they make? It reminds me of people who decided not to get vaccinated. They made a choice. You know why I don't get worked up by people who don't get vaccinated? Because they're making a choice and they know what the results can be and they still make the choice and I say, fine. I don't want to be asked to care about them. I'm not angry with them. I just got too many things going on. You don't think a vaccine works? Okay, don't get vaccinated. Fine by me. I'm cool with you, baby. We're good. But I'm also not going to sit here and scream and yell if something should happen with COVID and you get sick, you don't have a vaccine, therefore you have more symptoms. I don't understand why Howard Stern is screaming about meatloaf. I have no idea why he's doing it. Why doesn't Meatloaf's family, the singer who just passed away, why don't they come out and say, oh, he should have gotten vaccinated. Oh, he wished he was vaccinated on his dying day. It's a weird thing from Howard Stern. Pretty garbage, if you ask me. And it kills me to have to say it. But Howard Stern sucks. This is nonsense. This is, this is leftist ridiculous hysteria pablum that he's pushing forward. You really... You really think that that's what should be said? What do you care so much? If Meatloaf decided he wasn't getting vaccinated, he wasn't wearing a mask, and said the words, by the way, and this is a quote, if I die, I die. That sounds to me like a grown man who made a decision like a grown man. Okay. I don't think he's dumb. I don't think he was stupid. I don't think he was ignorant. He made a decision. I'm cool with that. It was his decision for his life. And he lived it his way. 
The same guy who did Bat Out of Hell. The same guy who said, you know what? I'm going to be in Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know what? I'm going to be the guy whose name is Robert Paulson. He made decisions his whole career. He never consulted me. He didn't consult me about the vaccine. So I'm not going to get worked up about it. I'm just sorry he's gone. Because I think that's what the human being should do. People make decisions. And so do people who drive cars. This data from Pete Buttigieg is just sheer nonsense because he doesn't address the issues. Meanwhile, Jen Psaki, she might say something. She might embarrass herself. Let's find out. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz.